Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. What is up? Welcome back to another very special edition of Talking Pitching. We're joined this week by someone who is accepted to medical school upon graduating high school at age 16, who, by the way, also happens to throw one of the filthier changeups in all of baseball and is currently rocking one of the better goatees I've ever seen. You can find him on Twitter at Pablo Jose Lopez, the one, the only Pablo Lopez. Pablo, thank you so much for joining us. What's up, guys? No, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Like I've mentioned before, huge fan of the page, all the terms, all the stats, all the sabermetrics, everything you guys do. Really fun to reading through and just keeping up with everything. That, that blows my mind, man. Um, but yeah, we're, we're big fans of what you're doing, of course, in Miami. And uh, just to kind of figure out what's going on with you right now. So I uh, so obviously life is different with, with COVID-19 and everything. How are you handling and how are you kind of keeping yourself in shape? Yeah, I mean, definitely different and just trying to take it day by day, you know. I I am trying to get two bullpen sessions a week. I try to make one more game-like, you know, where I try to ramp it up more on the intensity and the amount of pitches. So I call that my game day on Fridays. I wear my pants, I wear my long sleeves, I get on my game mode, and then I throw like three sets of 15. Uh, I tell my catcher to give me accounts, give me situations, and... That's really what's trying, like, what's keeping me sane as of now, trying to get at least one game a week. And the rest of the days, I do try to, um, get my workouts in, get my throwing, get my running, and, you know, everything, taking all the, uh, health measurements that we need to take, you know, trying to not, um, not too many people, all the, all the things. So it's trying to find the balance between being able to get my work, but at the same time, you know, trying to be careful with everything that's going on. So, so as you go through all of that, is this, would you say the same thing like a normal off season in the winter for you? Is this trying to replicate spring training for you? Like what level of intensity are you going at right now? I'm going more spring training than, uh, than off season. Okay, cool. And, and like, are the, <laughs> oh, yeah. Are, are the Marlins Boy. like talking to you as you do it? Like, are you reporting back to them and are they hands on with what you're doing specifically? Or is it just kind of like, hey, go out there, throw a bullpen, throw the game simulation and just take it from there? No, they, they do. Uh, they're doing a good job at keeping up, uh, keeping up with us. You know, our pitching coach, Mel Stoudemire Jr., he's like, he's a best he's always keeping uh make, making sure we're right on track he's always like hey you know when you get up the, when you get up the mountain trying to catch a few pitches on video uh from each angle and i'll take a look at him and he give, uh, he gives me good feedback and um, one day i threw the uh, my bullpen with caleb smith the same day like he filmed some videos i filmed some of his and you know always trying to keep the communication keep the feedback going and just trying to uh do the things I was working in spring training. I was working a lot with the pitching coach and uh, me sending him those videos allows him to kind of like make sure that we're staying on track. 
So I, I want to go back like even even further to the beginning of your career, because I think you provide a really, really unique um, perspective that a lot of people don't hear about a lot. Um, so after signing with the Mariners as an international free agent, you played a year in the Venezuela Summer League right before getting Tommy John surgery. And then you came to play in Arizona. So I know obviously you had some time off between the two. But for you, what was that transition like going from the Venezuelan Summer League um, where I, I've heard that like every game is just like a huge amazing you know it's like a blast it's very different than american baseball in that way and then transitioning to the arizona fall league what was that like uh it was different you know obviously i was 17 during the venezuelan summer league so that was um that was also a weird transition you know coming from from playing just like in my high school and stuff and then going to like pro ball at 17 you know like it's hard to realize that and like when you see like you have all the stats uh, you have coaches writing reports in you. So that was a big transition. And then when I missed all of 2014 rehabbing, yeah, it was a year off. It sucked not being able to play, but it did give me like, um, the glimpse of what I, what, I, what I was about to go through the next year when I played in the ACL, you know, uh, that was also a big transition, you know, uh, playing a night, night games, but it was super hot, no fans <laughs> and just trying to, um, getting a good rhythm of working out in the afternoons and you have to be ready at seven to play and was, and we were also piggybacking because we had 20 starters on the <laughs> on the roster so it was it was a weird transition and it was a lot of like um uh, we had to learn quick how to uh, adapt and adjust our routines to that sounds like you got a preview for what's actually going to be like this year with no fans <laughs> and super hot outside <laughs> I uh, so so obviously in 2017 uh, you were traded from the Mariner system to Miami uh, in that trade for David Phelps and where were you when you found out and what was that transition like? So when I found out, I had just woken up, woken up, and I went downstairs, uh, ate some breakfast, and then my girlfriend was visiting me Modesto that day, and she gets a text message from one of my teammates. Uh, wife that she's like do you see the news about the trade and she's like what trade and then i just go get my phone and i have like four missed calls <laughs> by the manager the farm director is texting me like please call me asap when you see this and i just pick up the phone and i call i'm like hey what's up he's like um yeah just to let you know that we just traded for you and you're gonna go to miami <laughs> and then he just gave me like the you know, we were also, we were really glad to have you in the organization, but best of luck. And he gave me the phone number for one of the guys for the Marlins. And that was a lot of phone calling that day, trying to set up one from all the way from California to Florida. It was a lot of logistics going that day, but the transition was, it was fun. I liked it. You know, also, I mean, I was pitching the Cadley in the California League, which is for hitting. I was getting which is, which is super uh, super pitcher friendly, and I think that's the finish I needed to that year because in the Cal League I was struggling a lot, and then being able to finish in the Florida State League and I'm more positive now helped me for what came next year. <laughs> there's uh, like there's a lot of great things that we can talk about when we're focusing on your arsenal. But one thing that jumps out to me, one thing that Nick and I are a huge fan of is that change up, right? So in 2018, you were top 20 in terms of horizontal movement in that change up. And then in 2019, it got even better. You were top 10 in all of baseball uh, in horizontal movement on that change up. Can you talk about your journey with that change up and how it kind of became this really fantastic pitch that it is today? 
Yeah, so the change of these experience ops with pitch I ever learned when I was probably like 10 years old, I moved up a level in travel ball and we were allowed to throw breaking balls and everything, but my dad didn't want me to start throwing a breaking ball, so he told me a slower fastball. So it was the same drip with a fastball all the way to my home, so obviously it was slower. But then I was like, I mean, there has to be another way to throw a pitch like this. So, I mean, I was asking around to older players and then more research, and I found out that traditional change-up grips, which would be the circle change-up, you know, these two fingers on top of the seams. And then I was messing around with it, and then I found out I really liked the two seams, uh, on the, my two fingers on my two seams, on the two seams, and then just throw, um, throw it like a fastball with a circle. Uh, when I signed when I was 16, I didn't have a curveball. I was mainly fastball change, a fastball change up then. So, I mean, that's a pitch I've had the longest. I mean, I've been throwing it for the last 10 years at least. And I think the main thing that helped me with it is play long toss with it. I mean, obviously, it's not playing long toss like 180 feet. But when I'm at like 120, I'm like, no, I'm going to throw four or five changes just to get the feel for it. Just get the arm speed, the hand speed going through the, with the pitch. And then that's been the main thing. I'm pronating. Like I, I mentioned in, a, in an article last week, I played volleyball in high school. So when I served, playing volleyball i always wanted to hit the ball but pronate to make the mo- the ball spin a little bit towards my mm-hmm. right side so like i would hit a boom pronate hit a pronate i'm like i'm sure this can translate to it and then i'll throw the pitch pronate pronate they always say throw the circle to miss like hit that volleyball wow that's that's such, that's awesome yeah that's really cool to hear all of that and you know it's not surprising to hear that that's a two seam circle grip because of the horizontal movement typically with a Four seam grip will see more of a depth to it. Um, so yeah. you have this this sinker on top of that, right? That um, I mean, last year had an incredible O swing. It's what we want to see on sinkers. I always say that a sinker you should have about thirty percent plus O swing because the idea should be that you'd be throwing it off of the plate. Yours was nearly a thirty eight percent, which is stupid <laughs> high. It's one of the highest we've seen. Um, I mean, other ones last year, like Adrian Hauser had a really good one last year and it was also thirty eight percent. Jack Flaherty's was good during his even though he went through about 10 percent of the time but i uh, the thing is you've actually you, you've turned into more of a four seamer guy right two to one of your fastballs are four seamers two sinkers and it's about 17 to 20 percent with sinker um i would love to hear your your discussion just about uh, choosing when to throw the sinker over that four seam because obviously the sinker does play well really well with that two seam it's pretty much the same spin just you know if you throw more sinkers then maybe that might play up more or maybe I just want to hear your whole process about when you're choosing which one to go with. Yeah, of course. Um, so my two seam, most of the time I use it when I go to my arm side, you know, sometimes I, I struggle getting that extension to my glove side. So with the two seam, it would be even harder. So when I go to my glove side, most of the time I'm sticking with my four seam, you know, try to drive it over there through the catcher. Like I see if I'm throwing it to the back stuff. So when I go arm side, I know it's, Obviously, it's a lot easier to go with the two seam. And um, my thing is, I want the pitch to be on the black. So I want it to finish there. But a lot of times, it starts there and then goes in to the righties. And a lot of times, I tend to drop my my wrist a little bit. So which causes mm-hmm. a lot of like um, uh, run instead of sink. Right. So when that happens, I'm, I'm like, I have to go, uh, either throw a changeup or a fastball glove side to make sure my uh, race repositions to be on top of the baseball. And so mainly for my glove side, 
if it's emperor writing um, mainly, I'm going to go with my two seam, you know. I mean, you've seen Jose Ureña do it all the time, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Arm side with righty, two seam. So I like going into righties with a two seam. And if I'm aiming bottom of the sun, I like the two seam. To ha- uh, it helps me stay on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my four seam, I use it more to stick it to that glove side. And when I'm pitching up in this zone, I mean, I know it, you know, because the two seam tends to either sink or the four seam stays through, uh, stays true longer. So it helps me with it. So, so one thing I really want to uh, reiterate or reinforce that you just said, which is so important that sometimes you're saying you get on the side of that sinker instead of staying on top of it. And to get back to recalibrate, you go with a four seamer or a slider or actually it would be like a curveball or a changeup just to make sure you stay back on top of it. And that's something that I, I don't think is talked about enough because we wonder about sequencing. And, you know, why is this guy throwing this pitch at that time? And I actually remember from college as well that I would think in my head, okay, I don't have my curveball right now. Or I, I lost the release point for that. Cool. Throw a fastball and then you'll get it back. Or actually vice versa. If I don't have my fastball, I know I have it with my curveball. And then from there, then I feel more confident with a four seamer. And that's, uh, I love that you just mentioned that because right, that I, I forget about that completely. <laughs> and you, you see that a lot. No, it's yeah. an incredibly, oh, go ahead, Pablo. Sorry. No, no, you, you go ahead. I, I was just saying, yeah, that, that it's an incredible piece of insight. I mean, it's not something that, you know, Nick and I talk about this a lot where we, it's just so awesome to get that kind of gateway into a pitcher's mind. And, and, and that's really invaluable insight. Um, I, I want to stay with the fastball, though, but actually focus on the, the uh, go away from the movement and stick with velocity now, because we saw a pretty stark jump in that um, in that velocity. Uh, didn't we like in, in spring oh, yeah. training full, full 2019 tick, yeah, full tick from 2018, 2019 on sinkers and four seamers, uh, you, you increased it a full tick. Was there something behind that? Was it just kind of, you woke up one day and started throwing harder? <laughs> no. Um, so it was mainly training during the, um, during the off season of 2018 going to spring of 2019. I mean, I lost, I gained good weight. Actually, I didn't lose weight. I gained a good one, you know, like a little like um, better build and um, my endurance got better too. And also like a lot of the shoulder exercises because I had that shoulder issue going into um, um, September of 2018. Mm-hmm. They showed me for the rest of the season and I focused a lot on my shoulder, shoulder, shoulder and my running and leaning out. And I'm by, by the time spring training came, I feel like in really good shape, good condition. And I think like the ball was coming out like a lot. Um, and, I mean, it was coming faster with less effort, you know. Obvious, obviously, I, I wouldn't throw max effort some of them. But I just feel like more consistent, like touching fours and fives. I just feel like my I, I was in good rhythm. I knew I did all the work I could during the offseason. And when I got on the mound, I just let the work uh, do the job for me. And are you feeling that same way right now? Yeah, I'm feeling the same way, you know. Um, trying trying to balance their routines, you know. Like I said, I had that issue with my shoulder in 18. Then it happened again in 19. So mm-hmm. when it happened again last year, like that just gave me even more time to take a step back and look at the picture from a different perspective you know because like sometimes when you're closer you're looking at something one way when you step back you're able to see more things so then i found that maybe in that off season i mean yeah i, I didn't end up throwing harder but maybe I, I was just doing too much on my shoulder you know maybe i just overdid something and when june last year came my shoulder couldn't take it anymore so then it was just a matter of trying to find the balance just like in everything you know trying to find a routine that i know it's going to keep me in shape 
going to keep me healthy, but at the same time, over, uh, it's not going to take a toll on my shoulder too much. So I think I, I'm, I haven't found it all the way yet, but I'm definitely better. And like during spring training, my arm felt really good. It's feeling good now. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm throwing any harder. I hope so. It would be good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, the arm feels good. It feels just like it did last spring. Do you, I mean, it, it doesn't take long. I mean, I think we're 15, 20 minutes into this talk. It doesn't take long to realize you're an incredibly intelligent person. And, you know, graduating high school at 16 and almost becoming a doctor speaks to that as well. But usually I feel sometimes that people who are um, very, very bright sometimes uh, take some of the analytics with them on the mound sometimes, or they have a difficulty leaving the analytics off the field or maybe sometimes with your shoulder, you know, did you ever feel as you were preparing for a season, if something wasn't going right, is the shoulder injury in the back of your mind? How do you, how are you struggling with, um, you know, that, that kind of divide of like the mental game and then how you're actually performing on the mound? I don't know if that was a clear question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, going, uh, well, going back to all the information that we take on the mound, I have been guilty of taking too much information with me on the mound, you know, like, I love all the reports on haters, but then I think a lot of the times I just dove too deep into them, you know, like, I took them, like, way too seriously to the point I was on the mound trying to think about what I've read instead of focusing on the hitter, you know, so, like, it's good to have information. I love all the resources, all the amount of information we get, but, um, I, I have to find like the right amount of information that I need, you know, whether it's me writing the information or I'm getting the information from the pitching coach, I need to find the exact amount of information I need. I need. And yeah, when, when an injury happens, that's always on the back of your mind, you know, like whether you're getting fatigued in the fifth inning, you know, like you start, you start thinking, Oh, it's my shoulder. Okay. I mean, how is it going to feel tomorrow? And then you're thinking those stuff while you're still on the game. So it's, it's, it's really important to like, to be on the mound and, you know, just trust that you did everything you could in between your starts that you have this great routine that you um, stick to it. That when you're on the mound, your only job is to focus on what the hitter's telling you. What are you reading from the hitter? And just go from there because you, you can have all the information in the world. But then when you get on, when you get on the mound, the hitter can be telling you completely different stuff that you read before the game. So that's when you have to pay, pay attention to it. Now, how dare they do that? That's just so frustrating. <laughs> uh, but I, so, so I want to talk a little bit more about your secondary pitches. Um, back to the changeup for a moment. Um, it's really such a fantastic pitch and we, we love, especially when you're able to put that sinker right on the corner and then follow it up with a change of a starts in the same spot and then falls off farther. And normally what we see with, with guys with a really excellent secondary pitch like that, we see them throw at 30, 35%, sometimes even up to like 45% of the time. And it did surprise us when we were looked deeper into you that it was about 22% um, was your change of usage. Um, was that uh, planned? Are you trying to really focus more on that curveball or is that something you might actually be looking to increase moving forward? Yeah, it's definitely something uh, I want to increase moving forward. I mean, then I know the numbers uh, back back me up saying that it's a good pitch, you know. I mean, if it's a good pitch, why wouldn't you throw it more? So I think a lot of times I just like 
Um, I get stubborn when it comes to my fastball breaking ball combo, you know, all the tunneling, like the high fastball with a good breaking ball, um, falling from that same tunnel that I forget about the changeup and the two seam, you know, I mean, they're the exact same pitch, but with like an eight mile an hour difference. So, I mean, if both are working the same night, why not use them more? And I know one thing is I didn't use my changeup early in counts too much. So, I mean, that's, that was a trend last year that maybe I didn't throw it too much. So I was waiting to get too deep into a count, you know, like get on a put away count to then use it. And then that maybe made, uh, that might have made me more predictable with a pitch. And I mean, it's something I really looked into it after the season. Like I had a few, I had a few people approach me about that style. Like I didn't throw it enough. I mean, I did throw it a good amount of, um, amount of time, but not, not as much as some people do when they have a good pitch. So that's something I was working on spring training. You know, I'm going to fourth pitch, boom, I'm going to go a change it. I was doing that during my uh, live BPs, my bullpen, just like to get that confidence that I can throw it on any count. So I, so if you, let's say you are increasing that change of usage from 22, let's say to 30% or so, do you think that you'll be eating into then fewer fastballs or is it fewer curveballs or is actually curveballs, you think, you know what, 17% is actually kind of right where I want it? I think the percentage, the, uh, the amount of times I'm throwing the breaking ball is good. So it might be throwing less fastballs because, I mean, I have to have a balance of also showing something with good depth, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have the fastball, you know, to keep him honest. Then you have to change it to uh, back and forth, but you also need some north-south combo. So you can have back and forth, but you also need some north and south right. that can work with the fastball and then the cook. Well, yeah, I mean, what's so good to know uh, and what's so exciting about the upcoming season, whatever it happens, is you have such a fantastic foundation with your fastball because you have a very unique ability to put it into the zone. I mean, your your the zone rate on your fastball, I think, was top 20 or top 25 last year. And you're also getting a lot of swings and misses on that fastball when you put it in the zone, too. So it just, you know, all the more reason to be excited for your upcoming season. There's there's one question that that Nick and I love to ask as many pitchers as possible, because I think you just have like. You guys have the craziest memory to me. I never get over it. Is there one um, sequence or strikeout um, or even home run that has stuck with you over the course of the year? Like when we talked to Caleb Smith, he says he remembers every home run he's ever given up. Um, and then some people say, oh, you know, there was one time I I struck out uh, um, Christian Yelich or uh, uh, who was it? It was... Um, uh, Jameson Tyone says that uh, one time Ronald, no, Juan Soto hit a curveball off him, like a, a 2-0 curveball or something that stuck with him forever. Do you have an experiencing experience like that that stuck with you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember all the homers, so that's something that you never forget. <laughs> <laughs> you spe- you, I mean, especially because next time you want to strike the guy out. That's right, the main right. reason we remember. Like, oh, you hit a homer up with me? I am, I'm only remembering so when the next time I see you, I'm going to strike you out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I remember I struck out uh, Joey Voto with a changeup in Cincinnati. I remember that one very well. Mm-hmm. I also remember striking... Um, might have been Hunter Dozier for the Kansas City Royals on a 3-2 mm-hmm. changeup. I think that was like my favorite change of the whole year. I have it saved on my phone. <laughs> oh man, did we gift that? If not, we have to. Give oh, that we're tomorrow. gonna. Yeah. Yes. By we'll the time this is done, <laughs> that'll be on the internet, my friend. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I, I, I mean, with that Vada one, was that like a down and away changeup, and he just like swung straight over it? 
yeah so it wasn't like it wasn't like a way away it was like on top of the plate but it was like like you know like best changeups you can imagine like the ones that look like a fastball and at the end they just drop right, and yes. they're like down down below the zone and i mean and the fact that it was joey Boda, you know like right. such a like a great hitter everything in play you know like he chokes up all the way you know like he's just looking to put the ball the ball in play i mean and the face on a like three two pound and uh, that that pumped me up Oh, that's great. And um, and you've had a lot of mound visits in your day. We like to ask this one. We like the idea that every mound visit is like the Bull Durham experience, of course, where it's actually not as serious as we all like to think it is. Have you had anything like that in your experience? <laughs> I haven't had as funny as um, Bull Durham. I do remember one time during the summer league, though, um, it was like really hot that day. I, I think that was a day I, I gave up four walks and everything. I mean, I was all over the place that day. And then the pitching coach comes all the way to the mound and he's like, how you doing? I'm like, I mean, I'm good. He's like, well, I mean, the manager told me to come see you. I, don't, I really don't have anything to tell you. So just hang in there. You have one one more out to go oh, <laughs> and you'll be done. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot, we, coach. We've all been there in our jobs at some point. Like the... The person upstairs says you got to do something and you just don't know what to do. So you just like, yeah. hey, I'm sorry. I don't do something. <laughs> yeah. So the pitching coach were like, I mean, they asked me to go. I really don't have anything. So just hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, coach. Uh, oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the pep talk. <laughs> um, all right. I, I, I mean, I think that that's going to do it. I mean, Pablo, like I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, we, we've been fortunate to talk to a good amount of pitchers in the past couple of weeks, and you are, you have been such a uh, an awesome person to talk to and such a pleasant experience, even in the DMs with you. You are such a kind dude and such a generous person, so we really can't thank you enough for, for coming and talking with us today. Thanks so much, man. Hey, I do have a question for you guys. Sure. Oh, great. Shoot. If I want to win a Gallows poll, <laughs> how many do I need, at least? <laughs> You just got to beat everybody else on that given day. You just gotta, what, yeah, but, what's a good number? What is, what's a good number? Yeah, uh, for um, I would say twenty. Hit twenty whiffs in a day, and you you got it. Unless Garrett Cole's going, um, <laughs> and I have a good chance with just, twenty. Just throw like fifty changeups that day, and you'll be fine. That's, <laughs> oh, that's what once, that that's one of the goals for this year. <laughs> Oh, I will. Pop, if that happens, one hundred percent, we'll make a shirt and send it to you, Pablo. One hundred percent, without a doubt, Pablo. Also, let me tell you, it will be Nick's deathbed, and he will turn to me and say, "Do you remember that one time Pablo Lopez asked me?" Oh that man! Question? Oh yes, he's one hundred percent correct. Oh my god! That's up. Okay. Uh, all right, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. Be healthy. Be well. We can't wait to watch you pitch this season. We know you're going to dominate. Good luck, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. Stay safe.